Congress is doubling down on the administration's goal to make electric vehicles a greater presence in the federal fleet. Lawmakers are setting aside billions for the General Services Administration and the Postal Service to purchase more electric vehicles and build more charging stations. It's part of a $3.5 trillion infrastructure package championed by the Biden administration. For more on the state of the federal vehicle fleet, we're joined by Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Jory, good to have you. Good to be here, Eric. So what kind of funding is Congress proposing? So of that $3.5 trillion that you mentioned in the lead here, Eric, the House Oversight and Reform Committee is proposing giving GSA, the General Services Administration, and the Postal Service $12 billion combined to make the federal vehicle fleet more electric. And so what would GSA do with that money? So GSA specifically would get $5 billion out of that $12 billion package, and they would take that money and they would purchase up to 160,000 EVs and stand up infrastructure like charging stations. Uh, That is a significantly larger estimate than what agencies in recent years have been able to do in terms of one, purchase electric vehicles and two, set up those charging stations. The Postal Service is going to get a little more. What are they planning on doing with the money? Yeah, they're actually getting a substantial increase compared to what was being proposed previously. The Postal Service in this package would get $7 billion, and what was on the table previously was $2.4 billion, so several orders magnitude more money there. And what they would do with that is they would really move along in their next-generation vehicle fleet contract and make electric vehicles a greater complement of that final mix of both electric vehicles and traditional gasoline-powered vehicles. And this has been a point of contention between USPS management and Congress for a while now, but the Postal Service does have a long-term vision of making its fleet more electric. Within 10 years under the Postal Service's current reform plan, they want to make their fleet majority electric and fully electric by 2035. And the kind of tension here has always been the money. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy told the committee back in February that USPS was currently planning to make its next generation fleet 10% electric and 90% gas powered. And the committee was a little unhappy with that estimate, but DeJoy came back to say that 10% electric was only a floor, not a ceiling, and that really the final complement of electric vehicles in this next generation fleet would really be dependent on Congress's ability to put up this kind of money that they're talking about here. So that is the latest on this ongoing uh, saga between USPS and Congress with this electric fleet. Yeah, what is the state of that next generation delivery vehicle contract that we heard so much about uh, a few months ago? Yeah, that is also a a story that doesn't quite have a resolution just yet. USPS awarded its next generation delivery vehicle contract to Oshkosh Defense back in February. And currently, we're expecting to see those vehicles to be out in the wild on delivery routes in 2023. But there's a wrinkle to this. The runner-up vendor Workhorse filed a bid protest this summer. It argued that it was unfairly taken out of consideration for a test track driving incident that it maintains was uh, the fault of a USPS driver who was testing out a prototype vehicle. That is still battling out in the courts. And that, depending on how long it's going to go, may have some complications for whether we'll actually see those vehicles out in 2023 like we have expected so far. 
And so what are some of the other challenges besides contracting difficulties that you were just talking about that agencies are going to have in electrifying the federal fleet? Yeah, it's a lot easier said than done. You know, currently electric vehicles make up less than 1% of the total federal vehicle fleet. And when you think back to GSA having this money to buy hundreds and thousands of electric vehicles, agencies only bought 200 electric vehicles last year. And this is a, a real challenge that some high ups in the administration recognize, including White House National Climate Advisor Gina McCarthy. You may remember her from being a former EPA administrator under the Obama administration. She has come out and saying that agencies are way behind on this charging infrastructure. And so far, there are only about 2,000 chargers in the federal portfolio right now. So there's a lot going on there. And, you know, for what it's worth, USPS is a big part of this conversation. The Postal Service, about one-third of all federal vehicles are USPS vehicles. They're second only to the Defense Department in terms of the largest inventory. And whether they're electric or they're gas, the Postal Service is in a situation where its current fleet is really, really old. Its long-life vehicles uh, are currently about 30 years old, and they're catching fire. They're breaking down, and a lot of, a lot of, unpleasant, a lot of unpleasant stories coming out of those vehicles. Yeah, I've seen the viral videos of many a postal truck catching on fire and showing showing the true state, I guess, of things. So other than getting an update to a much needed federal fleet, uh, what are some of the other benefits? I imagine costs cutting and uh, also just reducing carbon footprint are among them. But are, are those the only two? So the carbon footprint is obviously a big part of it. But we're talking about billions being put up front here. But from the administration's point of view, these electric vehicles are going to save money in the long run. Depending on who you speak to, these electric vehicles are more efficient, you know, 20 to 25 percent more efficient over the, over the life cycle of the vehicle. And, you know, when you look at it one way, agencies spend a ton on gasoline right now and maintenance and repair costs. According to recent GSA data, agencies last year spent $729 million just to fuel that federal fleet and more than a billion dollars on maintenance and repair costs. So new vehicles that don't break down as much, the way the administration is selling it, that is a, a cost savings in the long run. And have you heard anything about um, are they going to have to update some part of the federal workforce to learn how to maintain and repair these new electric vehicles? You know, that hasn't really come up at this point. I think, you know, at this, you know, I think at this juncture, the Postal Service has the mechanics it needs to work on the fleet that it has. But that's uh, that's something that has not yet come up really at all is the expertise and the know-how to deal with not just current vehicles, but having the expertise to know how to handle and maintain electric vehicles as well. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Thank you, Jory. Thanks, Eric. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. 
Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? 
you have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federals Organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, DC, I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.